Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Favorite Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week, we pick a different topic to discuss. And since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. Sean here. And I'm Shannon. And we have a special guest with us today. Hello, it's Nolan. Hooray! Yay! Welcome back. <laughs> we joked before we started rolling that Nolan, you're turning into our uh, like our expert guest when it comes to video games. I guess. <laughs> At least of games of a certain age. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, before we get to this week's topic, I do have a couple of updates. We got two emails. First email we got was from Catherine. Catherine, always happy to hear from you. Thanks for emailing. She says, hi, favorite show friends. Just wanted to send you a note to say how much I enjoyed your least favorite show episode. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) I think you all pretty much covered most of my least favorite things. Aaron, I think you and I must be the same person because just about all of your least favorite things are my least favorite things too. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Catherine, next time I see you, we'll have to compare notes. (laughs) She says, one little pet peeve I have to add to your list is people who don't read. Not people who can't read, but people who can read and choose not to do so. For example... At work, I'm always emailing people information about the classes we offer. All the information they need is in the email. Yet I always get emails back asking things (laughs) like, how much is the class? When does it start? It drives me crazy. (laughs) That is the worst. That is frustrating. (laughs) Keep up the good work, everyone. Catherine. Catherine, I agree. That is is frustrating. It's like, come on, people. Just just read the thing. It's all there. (laughs) Yeah. And then our other email is from our mom. And I'm going to jump around here a little bit here because uh, it mostly was mom just agreeing with us. (laughs) She says, "Uh, what a fun podcast. Shannon might get her mesophobia from me because I do not like smacking, licking, or chewing loudly. That's true. You know, I've, I've noticed with mom, especially like, you know, some of the, like the grandkids, like when they're little, you know, little kids, they, they chew with their mouth open and stuff and. Mom does not like it. She it drives her crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and she says, Sean must take after dad because he's always going around shutting drawers and cupboards too. I'm not sure who leaves them open with a little <laughs> winky face. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> she says, Little Caesar's Pizza Portal is the best. Every source should have a portal system. She loves that. <laughs> um, and then she says, Lastly, you mentioned Heart of Glass by Blondie and Whip It by Devo, but you forgot Tonight Tonight by Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> what? <laughs> Our mom does not care for Billy Corgan no, at all. No, not at all. This is all. It's fitting you're here, Nolan, to hear uh, this email. Yeah, I listened to a lot of that. <laughs> a lot, a lot in my teenage years. Oh, and mom is not a fan to this day. No. She says, well, thanks again for a fun episode. May you all never hear my favorite things in December. Step in dog poo or run into Karen or anyone that will yuck your yum. Mom. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, mom. mom. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. We had a we had a bunch of fun responses on Instagram too. A lot of people sharing things that are not their favorite. And it was it was fun to kind of share some of those on the stories. So thanks everyone who commented and wrote in. That was really fun. Well, I think that covers all the updates. With that, we can jump on to this week's topic, which is our favorite Super Nintendo games. So we already covered original 8-bit Nintendo, our NES system, and uh, now we're moving to the next generation, the Super Nintendo, which, again, explains why we have Nolan here. <laughs> <laughs> and in case you didn't guess, we definitely grew up with Nintendo. Nintendo was definitely a, a household staple at, at our place. Yeah, I can't. I, I feel like we've mentioned it at some point in other episodes, but yeah, it's true, like... You know, we never had a PlayStation or an Xbox growing up. We just always had basically every generation of Nintendo system. Uh, we were we were definitely a Nintendo family. So as we're going through the systems, we're we're gonna probably hit them all. <laughs> so, <laughs> but don't expect us to have like a favorite PlayStation game because we don't know. <laughs> we never had one. But anyway, yeah. So the Super Nintendo uh, Entertainment System. I've I've looked up a little bit of background about this system. Uh, so it was it was a sixteen bit system, whereas the original Nintendo was 8-bit. And it came out in Japan in 1990 and in North America in 1991. They were one of the later systems to come out in the 16-bit generation. There was the TurboGrafx-16 that came out ahead of it and the Sega Genesis that came out ahead of it. I don't know why I thought Genesis and Super Nintendo came out at the same time, but there was a gap between the two. 88 is when the Genesis came out. Okay. I do remember the Nintendo had two buttons, A and B. And then Sega had three. Mm-hmm. Yep, it just kept <laughs> getting bigger and better. <laughs> <laughs> no, there were a lot of cool innovations with the Super Nintendo. In addition to getting into the 16-bit market, the controllers introduced the shoulder buttons, right? I don't I don't yeah. recall other systems. The Genesis didn't have shoulder buttons. They had their 
three buttons across or whatever, but yeah, no, Super Nintendo was the first, and it's everywhere. Everybody has shoulder buttons. Yeah, now. yeah, it's true. So yeah, the shoulder buttons. The of course there was like a more ergonomic shape, so it wasn't just square, which is cool, but you know not the most comfortable for a long gaming session. So you got a little more rounded, a little more comfortable to hold. It just it was it was a it was a cool system. I remember the first time we played a Super Nintendo. We had rented it from either Blockbuster or it might have been that Good Time video. You remember that place that was mm-hmm. over by next to Five Buck Pizza? <laughs> I can't Good remember where Hollywood we had. video too. I think we used to get that's a few right. Games there was there. Hollywood video as well. So I don't remember where we first got it from, but yeah, I remember when the Super Nintendo first came out. We did not buy it immediately. We we got it soon, but the first time we played it, we had gone and rented the system and a couple of games for the weekend. We picked it up on like a Friday and took it back Sunday or Monday. I can't remember. But I just remember being blown away at the graphics and the sound and the controller, like everything about even like the way the cartridges went into the top, like the top load system. I was blown away by all of it. It was so cool and like incredible, which is funny when you look back on it now, because like, you know, just video game graphics have gone crazy and all the feedback stuff and controllers and whatever. So there's really cool tech now, but just, yeah. It, it blew my mind. It was so cool. I don't. I actually think, other than not being HD and 16.9, Super Nintendo games, a lot of them hold up pretty well. In fact, there are a lot of games that are kind of a, a 16-bit style now, it seems like. With, you know, even though they didn't necessarily probably have to do the same optimizations as were originally done for the Super Nintendo. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was like right before a lot of games really diving into like 3D generated graphics on the console itself. And so lots yeah. of really good sprites, you know, still 480i or whatever it was, but mm-hmm. yeah, I I feel like the average Super Nintendo game has dated better than the average Nintendo or even Nintendo 64 cuz a lot of those first 3D games, they don't look so hot compared to modern yeah. games, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. But the sprites, they have a charm, right? Like they don't, they don't date quite as much in some ways. And, and yeah, like you were saying, Sean, the, the, there are a lot of games. I see a lot of games like on the Switch online store and things like that that are, are built to look like a 16-bit system. I don't see a lot of games that are trying to look like 8-bit. Um, they exist, but there's not a lot. But like, uh, like, like Stardew Valley, I don't know if you guys have played that game or seen that game. It's designed to look just like the sort of thing you would have played on Super Nintendo. But yeah, it kind of has that cool, like old school, like retro vibe to it. But like you get all of the like color and shape and, you know, it's it's not like going back to like Atari games where you're like, what kind of, is that supposed to be a dragon? What is this weird poly, you know, this weird uh, several blocks of shapes? What is this supposed to be? You don't get that with Super Nintendo. I mean, I, I don't remember if we went into this with NES, right? But I think even the design that Mario had, right? I think of having a mustache and gloves and things like that was really to be able to provide some detail with very limited pixels. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember. So we didn't go into that because that predated the Nintendo slightly. You know, it was Donkey Kong Arcade. That's true, yeah. But <laughs> but yeah, there was a lot of cleverness in the design. And, you know, Super Nintendo is, I guess you could say, the peak of that. That is the high point of the pixel category. Yeah, and it was cool to see. I, I'll, we'll get into a, a game in a second here, but it was cool to see what they could do with the 16 bits and that pixel technology. You know, we talked about how the the original 8 Nintendo, they did a lot of innovative things that, you know, getting the music and the graphics and things, taking advantage of the limited technology they had. Even with with only 16 bit and whatever, you could still see all these cool innovative things they were doing. Uh, just to wrap up the the history of the system real quick so look just from wikipedia back to our favorite wikipedia for the week (laughs) uh the super nintendo was the best-selling console in the 16-bit era even after it launched late facing competition from the sega genesis and the turbo graphics 16 overlapping the original nintendo's 61.9 million sales unit the super nintendo remained popular well into the 32-bit era and was not discontinued until 2003 Wow. That was surprising to me when I saw that. I was like, wait a minute, 2003? Yeah. That's crazy. Because I feel like, when did GameCube come out? Because we had Nintendo 64, and then when was GameCube? 
I'd have to look it up. Anyway, I can hear Sean Googling it right now. 2001. GameCube came in 2001. What? Interesting. So I wonder, if it, I wonder if it was in other markets as well. But yeah, so apparently the Super Nintendo, so it came out in 1990 and was discontinued in 2003. So continued to be popular among collectors and retro gamers with homebrew games and Nintendo's emulated releases such as Virtual Console, Super NES Classic Edition, Nintendo Switch Online, etc. A lot of a lot of cool stuff for the Super Nintendo. It's a good system. It's still still one of my favorites to go back to. We're going to talk about a couple of games in a second here, but I think some of my top five, top ten games of all time, regardless of system or or era or whatever, are Super Nintendo games. I think they made some yeah. really really great games and started some really cool franchises too. Obviously, mm-hmm. some things like Mario Brothers that started arcade and then original Nintendo that continued. But there's some cool there's some cool properties that started on Super Nintendo that have just become mm-hmm. household titles at this point. So we'll get into those in a second. But uh, yeah, that's my history for the system. Who wants to go first on a, on a game? I'm sure we're gonna have lots of overlap. How about we have our guest go first? Yeah, Nolan, you want to talk about a game? What do you What do you got? What's some of your favorites? All right. Well, I have a fairly unconventional title that I'm not sure if you could even call a game. This is Mario Paint. I knew oh, one of us was going to bring yeah. this up. Yep, it was, was on, on my, my list. list too. You guys remember <laughs> Mario Paint? It was so, so good. good. It's such oh, a good mouse. game. It came with a mouse, a two-button mouse and a plastic mouse pad. Yep. And not really so much a game as, you know, a drawing program. Um, there was a game in it, mm. which was this fly swatter game, which I remember yeah. being like very fun. Like you control a fly swatter and try to get all these flies on yeah. the screen. It was really basic, just like, you know, point and click. Like, you're just yeah. dragging around like a, ma- a hand with a fly swatter and swatting stuff, but it yeah. was fun. Clearly designed for the mouse, and there would be a boss and, you know, a big one, a big fly. Mm. But um, <laughs> the thing that really stood out to me in Mario Paint was there was a music creation tool. Yeah. And there was also a little animation tool and you could make simple animations and roll your your music with it. Make a little, you know, soundtrack for it. And people still actually, if you look on the internet, people make stuff with the Mario Paint music <laughs> creator to this day. And and they they'll have modded versions. I think in the game you could only do three sounds at a time, right? Mm-hmm. And you had a certain number of beats, a certain number of measures. Yeah. But so on the modded on the modded internet versions, you know, is that hey, a cat? Hey, hey, stop. <laughs> We're recording. Yeah, I wasn't sure sounds that was. Sorry. <laughs> she did it once. I was like, okay. But then she kept going, Phoebe. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, okay, continue. so you can find all kinds of stuff, you know, on YouTube or whatever of these like Mario Paint songs that now you can add sharps and flats and do more songs and tempo changes and whatever. But it's still the basic Mario Paint thing. And, you know computers people having computers at home that was fairly new and like this was like baby hold on let me go again. <laughs> what in the world just weirdo sorry so this was like early days of like people having computers in their houses right having having a personal computer and uh, at least a lot of my friends their first computers were like dos like they didn't even have a mouse necessarily or whatever yeah so this was like my first experience that i ever had with like software making music or or making a little animation which obviously you know his is a huge thing and uh personally influential in my life like we're we've all pursued creative pursuits in our lives yeah. and you know i work i work in the animation industry yeah. so but yeah i loved that and apparently the mouse worked with quite a few games that i didn't realize i looked this up mm. i remember i remember like a jurassic park game that we rented that was compatible with the nintendo super nintendo mouse oh i don't remember that that's I, cool that's the only one i remembered but when i look on wikipedia there's something like 40 games or so that could use that mouse. And many of these games are games I have not actually even heard of. But but nonetheless, you know, that mouse, it was, for us, it was pretty much only for Mario Paint. And I would guess for most people, it was only for Mario Paint. But Mario Paint, that was a lot of hours of 
creative fun on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, I remember that game being amazing. I did not know there were other games that used the mouse. That's really cool. But yeah, that game was so good. And I have to admit that I, I have used emulators. I know there, there's like kind of a legal questionable area about emulators. But, you know, now we have access to a lot of these games with like the Switch Online or you can even get like the Super Nintendo Mini. But before that, and it was like, I didn't know where to play these games. So I would download them <laughs> in emulators and stuff. But Mario Paint was one you couldn't really do which is funny because your computer has a mouse, but the emulators mm. didn't quite work right with the mouse and the emulator thing. So I haven't played that game in so long. Who has our Super Nintendo? Shannon, do you have it? Um, yes. Do you, <laughs> I, ha- do you have the mouse? Do, you have Mario do I Paint? have the family Super Nintendo? No. Do I have most of the family Super Nintendo games? Yes. That's fair. And I do have the mouse. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Well, next time we get together, we got to play that game because it's so cool. It, yeah. was, it was really, really cool. It was one of the first games that I really enjoyed watching other people play. I think we talked about before how it's, I don't know, it's just fun to watch people play games. And that one was especially fun. And I think I was young enough that I did not really, I did not fully appreciate it. (laughs) But it was like really fun and kind of magical to watch. And I was just going to add, we had a tiny little break when there was a cat meowing in the background. And I looked on (laughs) YouTube, and just like Nolan said, there is a ton still being uploaded for Mario Paint. Like, I kept filtering it down, and I filtered it down to uploads this week of Mario Paint music. And there's there's several, right? And and thousands and, and... you know, who knows, hundreds of thousands, maybe in, in the entire history of of these uploads here. But just, I, I don't know. It was just, it was awesome. You don't generally think, like Nolan said, not really considering this a video game, because you don't think of video games in general, especially then, as being something that is creative, that actually allows you to create and build things even with the music piece and the animation, I don't even know if there was a gamified aspect to it. It was like there were some built-in songs and then you can make your own songs, but I don't think there were like any achievements or things that were unlocked, right, by by completing a song or something like that. No. Yeah, there was no point system or No. Yeah. Yeah, there was there was there wasn't anything like that. It was just for fun. And it's interesting. I, I don't think I'd ever put it in that perspective that you put, Nolan, but like now it's so simple of like every, you know, every any anybody who buys a Mac, it comes with GarageBand and whatever. And, you know, it's so easy to get like free software for like mu- like, you know, MIDI music stuff. And and, you know, there's so many apps for for animation and drawing and stuff. And it was that it was just not like that back then, and so it really was like a like a early front runner into that sort of thing that we that we all ended up kind of doing some for careers, and all of us you know were into sort of creative things as a family, and and yeah, there was it's it's inter- it's just interesting to put it in that perspective where it's so common now, like something like Mario Paint was kind of a rare thing back then. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And I don't think it was super niche either. Not that we're going to talk the entire time about Mario Paint, but I was looking up top (laughs) selling. We maybe could. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was looking up top selling SNES games during the history of it, and Mario Paint is in the top 20. It has over 2 million copies that were sold. I think there was actually, I didn't realize this until recently, but there was even an SNES bundle, kind of like gaming consoles now, that was a Mario Paint edition, where it was popular enough people were buying an SNES for this Mario Paint experience. Wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. Well, if you don't mind... I got a game I want to talk about, continuing in the Mario universe. This is a game, like I talked about, properties that started with the Super Nintendo that now are just everywhere, but did not originate with the original Nintendo, it was the Super Nintendo, and one of my favorite games of all time is Super Mario Kart, which is the first Mario Kart game was on on the Super Nintendo system, which is kind of wild when you think about because, you know, there's been so many Mario Kart games now. Yeah. But the original, you know, was, was on Super Nintendo came out in North America in 1992, so it was not a launch title for Super Nintendo, but it came out shortly after. Uh, it is the fourth best-selling Super Nintendo game of all time. Boy, what a what a game. You know, on a lot of games now, like on the Switch and, and uh, online things, sometimes it keeps track of how many hours you've played. You know, sometimes I look and I'm like, oh, I've spent way too much time on this game. <laughs> I would love to somehow find out how many hours I've spent playing Super Mario Kart, because especially when I was a kid, 
oh, I played that game all the time. Yeah, I've thought the same thing. Like, wouldn't it be great if you could somehow know the hours you spent on all these old games yeah. before before it tracked? Yeah. Oh man, it's I can't I can't even imagine. It's it's got to be some huge number. But yeah, so Super Mario Kart, the original Super Mario Kart, uh, was a two player game. You could play single player like all of them, but it was only up to two players. All of the tracks were flat. There were little jumps and things in in some of them, but it was a it was a flat track, as opposed to all of the other games since, where <laughs> they're they're in three D and sometimes, especially the new ones, you're like going upside down and all this crazy stuff. But the original was flat. There was the Grand Prix mode, there was the uh, time trial mode, and then there was the battle mode. And the battle mode was just the very basic beginnings of what we now have in Mario Kart as the battle mode. But you had three little like balloon things that were going around your cart and you were on some sort of battle map. And every time you went over your question box and you got your item and you hit somebody else, it popped their balloon and three hits, you're out. By comparison to like currently the latest Mario Kart game as of right now in April of 2022 is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe which has like 48 tracks and I forget how many battle maps and different battle styles and whatever. Like it's huge now, but it's just kind of cool to go back and see the original where all this stuff originally started. And it's still, for me anyway, super fun to play. Like I feel like the game holds up really well. Yeah, it's great. I um, One of the things that Mario Kart has done in recent releases is they will they will have courses that came from older games. Yeah. So, you know, my kids like Mario Kart, and and I pulled up the old original Super <laughs> Mario Kart and was like, look, see, this is the course. See all the little color squares on the border? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but it is, it's a great game. It's so good. And I, I love that it has continued on to what it is now of being, you know, sort of a party game where you can have four players, you can have all this fun stuff. You can have more than four now. Oh, yeah, that's true. If you mm-hmm. play, you know, online or even with, you've got multiple switches in the same base, whatever, you can have eight or, or, or maybe more online i can't remember well we had the one time that we all got online and played with each other in all of our different states and i forget how many we were able to have but yeah we had siblings and some nieces and it was it was awesome oh yeah yeah and i can't remember if i've told the story on the podcast before or not but me and eilie uh nolan's youngest daughter with the latest mario kart 8 (laughs) you can do custom grand prix and so we did a custom grand prix which included all 48 tracks in a row and it took us (laughs) well over three hours to do it took it took a while it was it was like three and a half hours to do it on uh, 100 cc i think was what we were set on but we did it all 48 tracks back to back. Awesome. It was so much fun. <laughs> and now there's even more tracks. I know they're coming out with more. Yeah. Pretty soon you're going to have 96 in a row. <laughs> That's going to take a while. All day. We'll do it. I'll, we'll do it for sure. <laughs> now I need to bring up one negative about the original Super Mario Kart. And that is that nobody could beat Aaron. <laughs> that was the problem. You could save these ghosts and even like race against like uh, a, a ghost basically recording of a previous race. Oh, yeah, on the time trials, yeah. The time trial, that's exactly right. And and yes, it was fun, it, but that was another one that, yeah, if you were racing with Aaron, you just lost. <laughs> well, and, and I feel like I was one of the, I'm one of the few people that I know that plays Mario Kart by myself and does the time trial mode. Like most people, when they play, they're either playing with a group of people or they're out by themselves and they're doing a race with computer enemies and all the weapons and stuff. But even on the original, I would I would do the time trial mode where you're just doing, you know, you do a few laps in a row and you're just trying to get the fastest time, right? And I love doing that. And I would like try to like, you know, just time every corner perfectly and time my slides just right <laughs> and stuff. And like, be like, all right, I shaved off a tenth of a second. Oh, I shaved off a thousand of a second on that one. And I, I still love that. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Thank you, Sean. I was I was the Mario Kart king back when that game was around. <laughs> I guess I, I got my training on RC Pro-Am, right? I, yeah. I've just been a racing guy ever since the beginning. <laughs> well, since we're talking about Mario, I want to throw one more Mario game in there, and that is Super Mario World. Good. Oh, yes. If if somebody it, else didn't, I was gonna. Yep. <laughs> it, it's the first Super Nintendo game I ever remember playing. You know, I was very young at that point, and so I don't remember if it was maybe after we had actually rented the system, but I remember going to a friend's house and playing it, and it just being awesome. And I looked it up because it's a game that has a lot of content. 
you go level to level and it's almost in a style where you can go around this world of levels, kind of like Mario Brothers 3. And when I looked it up, there are 73 levels in the game, depending on what you count as a level. Because some areas you go and it's a secret area where you can just get a a mushroom, right? Mm. And there are 96 different endings you can actually go through. So different levels, like the ghost houses, or where you'd maybe have to fly around a different way and, and get the second ending or something like that just had a ton of stuff in it. It's not one of those. I'll talk about some later that I think, you know, I could play through in maybe like two hours or something and were really fun. But Super Mario World, it just seemed expansive. It was just a huge game. And it was nice that it had the ability to save your game and go back to it instead of having to, like Super Mario Brothers 3, where... Yes, you had a lot of levels, but if you wanted to actually beat the game in a, in a sitting, you you had to use the flutes or you had to, you know, just turn off the TV and leave the Nintendo on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember doing that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, and then hope as well that it didn't have a problem with dust or something like that, yeah. right? Yep, Where, yep. <laughs> but Super Mario World was just, it was, it was an awesome game. Um, it introduced Yoshi in, yeah. in a way that, that Mario and Luigi were able to interact with and and Yoshi had some cool abilities. If he ate a shell of a certain color, he'd get certain power-ups as well. And anyway, just all around a phenomenal Mario game and probably one of my favorite Mario games of all time. Yeah, same here. And I I feel like a lot of the games I play are like racing games or or these other things. And, and I don't always, like a lot of the games I play, I don't necessarily play to completion, or at least I didn't used to. You know, I'd play just for fun or play for the heck of it. And I realized at some point during the pandemic, after things had been shut down and we were in quarantine, that I have never actually personally beaten Super Mario World or hadn't. And so during quarantine, when everything was shut down, I I started from the very beginning and I played through and I finally, for myself, beat Super Mario World. <laughs> I know I'd seen you do it, Nolan. I'd seen Sean do it before. I'd seen Bowser's Castle, all that stuff. But I, I personally did it now. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> that's awesome. See, that's it's funny you say that because that's actually one of the first games I ever beat all the way through beginning to end. Nice. And that one is for sure my most favorite Mario game. And a big part of that is nostalgia for sure. I have very fond memories of being in elementary school, getting off the bus, running home and dropping off my stuff. And then I'd go over to Lauren's house across the street and we would hang out in her room and we would play Super Mario World or Donkey Kong Country until it was time to go home for dinner like every day. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and I mean, that game just holds up because Alex and I even pulled out the Super Nintendo, plugged it in and everything. And we tried to play through the whole thing and, you know, eventually, you know, got really late at night and we were stuck on a level because we were trying to do some secret thing that was really hard and we had to fly across lava or something. (laughs) And I mean, but it was really fun. And, you know, that game, yeah, it came out in 1990 and it holds up so well. Yeah. And it was one of only three games when the Super Nintendo first launched. There were only three games for it. Uh, And that changed very quickly. But the original three that came out were Super Mario World, F-Zero, and Pilot Wings at launch. Those were the only three games that were around. Uh, But yeah, I remember that was one of the games when we rented our Super Nintendo the first time we played. It was Super Mario World. And and what I was talking about earlier with some of the the cool technology things they did, even though it was a side-scroller, it introduced some cool new things like you could go back in a level, right? In in other Mario games, you went forward. And, And Mario World, you could go back. There were all these other different things, but even like subtle things like the way Mario turns when he's going forward and he turns the other direction. You know, in other games, it was just there was the animation facing this way, animation facing that way. And if you turned, it was just flipped, right? But in Super Mario World, there were like two or three other things. So like if you paused it at just the right spot, he was facing you, right? It was like when he turned, it was like this, 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 this. There were like five different things. So it wasn't like a 3D totally turning, but it gave that it gave that impression, right? It gave that feel to it of there was a lot more depth. There was a lot more motion to things, the way things moved, just having that extra, you know, the 16 bit power allowed it to do that while still being a flat pixel side scroller game. That game was so good. And the music was so good. And 
introduced a lot of characters that are still in all the Mario games now. Like we said, Yoshi in the way that he, the form that we know him, the function we know him as, that was where he came from. And I didn't know this. I was looking up some history of this. Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, who designed the game, obviously, he uh, had the idea for Mario to have a dinosaur like sidekick sort of thing. He really wanted that to be part of the game. And original designs were very like reptilian, like very like hmm. lizard, like dinosaur like, almost like iguanodon looking type of designs. And they were like, it just doesn't, it doesn't fit. This doesn't work. And so he told them to go back and create a cuter character off of some of his designs and stuff. And so now that's, that's why Yoshi is so adorable is they were like, mm-hmm. no, he, he looks too, oh, so he looks too dinosaur-ish. He's too scary. Make him yeah. cuter. Can't imagine yeah. him any other way now, right? I yeah. know, right? Especially cute baby Yoshi. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so Yoshi's adorable. Yoshi's Woolly World. I never even played that game, but like the little amiibos that went with it. Very cute. So adorable. Yeah. And it was someday when we get to our uh, Nintendo 64 episode, we'll have to talk about Yoshi's story. That's oh. one of the cutest games I've ever <laughs> yes, played. It it's is. so good. But yeah, Yoshi's a cute guy. And incidentally, <laughs> uh, playing Mario Kart, Yoshi is almost always my number one character to play as. And in Smash Brothers, he's my number one character. Uh, I'm yeah. a Yoshi guy. No, there so, you go. Anyway, but again, we're getting ahead. <laughs> These are these are other topics for another day. Well, that's a good lead-in to one of my favorites is Yoshi's Tetris Attack. Oh, yeah. Which is a game I remember getting at a yard sale at <laughs> yeah. some point. And the music was so catchy, and it was just a fun game to play. And I actually, and I feel like I've heard her tell the story differently, but I feel like in my memory, we were playing that game a whole bunch the day we met Noel and your wife, Teresa. <laughs> Oh, I, oh. <laughs> I have this memory and maybe it's wrong because I feel like she told me that wasn't true the other day. But <laughs> I remember we were playing it for so long in the basement and we came upstairs and Teresa was at our house and it was our first time meeting her and Nolan, you'd brought her home for dinner or something. But I came running up the stairs singing this, the music from the game and then there was this person here and I was so embarrassed that I didn't say a single word through dinner. <laughs> That sounds true to me. That sounds like I could, I could see that happening, yeah. So who knows? Maybe that wasn't actually the first time I met Teresa, but in my mind, it was. But <laughs> That's great. That's so good. But no, it's uh, it was really interesting to me reading the history of this game, actually, because it was a very different game when it was originally released in Japan. The game was originally called Panel de Pon and was not made with all the Yoshi characters and everything, it actually featured fairies as the main characters and had kind of a mythical fantasy setting. Hmm. And then for international versions, they replaced those characters and the settings with characters and settings from Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. Interesting. Which I I thought, yeah, was was interesting. Hmm. Um, And also with international releases, they changed the name to Tetris Attack, which has no relation to the Tetris series. And I guess the Tetris Company co-founder, Hank Rogers, went on to say that he regretted giving Nintendo the license to use the name. That's interesting. How does that guy have the license anyway? It's a Russian game. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But it was a very fun game. I love playing it. And I actually still have. I dug it out. I knew exactly where it was. But I have a little uh, very beat up index card full of codes for levels that's awesome (laughs) because that game got really hard and so you know i wrote down all the codes so i could reload my save point and actually looking through the wikipedia page i found out that the original panel de pawn is actually on the nintendo online but it is the original game so i had to whip out my google translate to (laughs) <laughs> scan the Japanese characters and tell me which one was start and which one was cancel and whatever. That's, oh, that's awesome. Great. I love that. Nolan, what else do you have? So one of my favorite games of all time on all systems is The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. Oh, man. Yes. It's so good. Phenomenal. And, um, you know, after the first very first Zelda being a top-down game, and then Zelda 2 going to side-scrolling. This is essentially Zelda 3 on the Super Nintendo went back to the top-down view, more like the first game. However, this game, for the first time, it has like 
towns and characters that speak and like much more storyline. This is not the first game I had played with that, with characters and storyline and a role playing sort of element. I had played Dragon Warrior on the original Nintendo. But A Link to the Past was the first game that I really felt like emotionally connected to. Not just the emotion of excitement or frustration or, you know, like, like yeah, yeah. whatever, but actually had feelings towards the things happening in the game, right? Yeah, you care about what happens to these characters. You're invested in them and their stories. Yeah. Right. And it's, it is a fantastic game in every aspect, in the controls, in the way that the, your abilities build up over time in a, in a very Zelda way. And the story right off the bat, like you're you are asleep at the beginning of the game, which has also become a staple of of Zelda games. You're almost always yes. asleep. You always wake up at the when beginning. The, yeah, at the game starts <laughs> right, and you awaken, and there's rain. Is like felt like such atmospheric. Like I remember being like, oh, it's raining outside, and my uncle tells me, you know, stay inside. And but then you're hearing a voice and you venture out in the rain and it's like right off the bat, it like feels like such a world of, you know, sound and tone and, and emotion and atmosphere. And, uh, you know, that kicks off the game and, uh, you know, the whole light world, dark world thing is super cool. Um, did I mention the music, the music, music so good. The music oh. is great. And the and you know, the point that I remember really being emotionally involved is all these people, you you meet all these people over the course of the game and they have their stories and they have, you know, whatever narrative they have. And and so in the town there was a man and he had talked about, oh, his son had gone to try to get the Triforce. All these people have gone seeking their treasure and they've gone to the golden realm and He's never come back. And when you go to the dark world, that is so cool, too, because suddenly you're transformed and everything's transformed, even including you. You're like a little bunny and you can't, like, do anything. Yeah. But as you go through the dark world, you find, like, this boy. And it turns out that's the son of the man. And he, like, you give him, like, a flute to play and he plays one last song and then he finishes turning into a tree and he's, like, frozen forever as a tree. And and that was the moment oh. where I remember being like, ah, oh, like I felt such emotion, and I was like, yeah. I've got to fight, yeah, yeah. got to avenge this <laughs> I was, kid. You know, yeah. I felt I felt so invested in this game in a way that I had never felt in any other game before, like more than a game, but a story. And then you know, the ending is just so sweet for wrapping up so many of these stories, including the flute boy's story. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I I could go on and on, but this is just one of my favorite games of all time. It's such a good game. If I had to pick a favorite Zelda game, I think it would be this one. And full disclosure... I have never beaten a Zelda game, any of them. <laughs> but I think what's I think what's happened is that one, they got hard and I would just go back to Mario Kart. But also, like Nolan and and Sean and you, Shannon, like you guys were good at the Zelda games, and I would just watch you guys. And that's one of the first games that I remember loving to watch. Like you guys would be playing Zelda and you'd be in something or like these story things would be happening. And I would just sit and watch and just be mesmerized. It was like watching a movie, right? It was like watching this yeah. amazing narrative story. And I've got I've got resolutions for the year. One of them is to finally beat a Zelda game. I'll probably start <laughs> with Link to the Past because it's one of my favorites. But yeah, what a game. And it's so good. And and I think one of my favorite Zelda songs of all the incredible Zelda music that's out there is the Dark World theme is so good. Yeah. It's so all of it's really good. It is so good and it's funny to think about the fact that, you know, the original pixely song that that we had and what it's really turned into because yeah, you think about the beautiful sweeping soundtracks for all the Zelda games and stuff that you hear now, but to hear the amazing renditions people have done of this you know, I hate to even call it a basic little tune because it really wasn't, but this very simple classic version we had of it and how good it was. Yeah. It's like you were able to take something that was on on its own a very great melody yeah. and some basic 
you know, a, a chord progression, but it was only be able, able to be presented in a very basic way of a few notes or a few tones or whatever. And as that evolved over time, you're able to take these themes that were so, they're, they're so well written because mm-hmm. they are these musical themes. Like you think about Star Wars and the musical themes that are involved in that. If you were to translate those into, you know, 8-bit, 16-bit music before hearing them as an orchestra, you would still have these great themes. You'd have still have that great music. It just wouldn't be in the same form as this beautiful big orchestra. So I think it's just a testament to how good the music is that it has endured even after starting in in a, a like you said, I don't, I don't say basic, maybe uh, like a more restricted form of mm. how it can be portrayed. You know, the, the melodies and, and everything are great. They're really great and they hold up. So A Link to the Past is certainly one of my favorite games of all time. And I think it's one of the games that I am... Uh, a Nintendo fan, and I think it's one of the games that solidified that for me because to me, and part of this is nostalgia speaking, but it's a beautiful game. When you think about the music, when you think about the story, when you think about these different things, I actually, I'd I'd love to, as an adult now, understand some of those conversations and understand the investment that was being put in to to make a work of art. Um, where I don't know if they really, I doubt that they foresaw that some of the songs that were being written for this game would be songs that were replayed and re-recorded and re rewritten in other ways in, in several other games, probably at least a dozen, and and being performed by live orchestras at different points and things like that for putting together a sequel to a video game to sell. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of wild to think about if there was any of that perspective at all, (laughs) thinking like I wrote this cool melody for this cool game and I'm proud of it. But to think like, you know, London Philharmonic's going to be performing this at some point or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so cool. Yeah. I, I was able to go to the touring Zelda symphony when it came to Salt Lake that when they got to to those themes it was powerful it was very cool and the other thing i'll just note about it is i have distinct memories of this game where nolan would have a sleepover with one of his friends and in classic little brother fashion i would i would like to ruin sleepovers right <laughs> like like bust in find whatever reason to just be annoying or whatever and so his friend we didn't own it at the time would bring over the legend of zelda a link to the past and they would just, you know, there were like three different saves on there. And they're like, don't don't play this one or whatever. You know, only do this <laughs> other one. And I would go in and it would get erased after he'd taken it back. And so that was another reason is that I had played through that game, not just in one linear way, but in a couple hours. And then a couple weeks later or months later, playing a couple hours and doing the same things, but getting further <laughs> or things mm-hmm. like that before we actually <laughs> bought the game ourselves. What a great game. Um, I have another game I want to talk about. And again, this is another game, another property that started on the Super Nintendo and has endured for a long time. And it's Star Fox. Mm-hmm. Boy, you guys, I love Star Fox. That game is, and again, it's really awesome. And as a for gameplay, it holds up really well to today. Star Fox is a, uh, I guess you'd call it a rail shooter. So it's a, it's a sci-fi, flying a spaceship, flying down a set path or whatever and you're shooting bad guys almost in the same sense that like this this is like the the 3D version of like 1941 or one of those games right but the thing that was really cool about Star Fox is that it introduced the FX chip and i know we had talked about in our uh 8-bit Nintendo episode how in later years of the console being around some game cartridges had like extra RAM or extra whatever in them to try and kind of boost the capabilities. It was still 8-bit, but it was, you know, maybe more powerful than Mario Brothers or Duck Hunt or whatever because it had extra in the cartridge. So that was something that was introduced with Star Fox was the FX chip that was able to do polygon 3D graphics on the Super Nintendo on a 16-bit system. And when you look at it now, it looks super primitive right like everything is very (laughs) polygonal it's very you know all the shapes are very basic the spaceships are all kind of like triangle shapes and like yeah you know 
I pulled it up recently. It's even more basic than I remembered mm-hmm. because even the color palette is very limited. Like if you notice yeah. the shadows are not actually shadows. It's just got like black pixels over every other yeah. or gray pixels or something. It's yeah. like a lattice over the over the top of the polygon. Yeah. You know, it's really basic. But but, but it was three dimensional <laughs> rendered graphic. Yep. And it was it was an incredible game. And and contrasting Mario World and Link to the Past, these games that are very long games, Star Fox is not a long game. Even if you're going the different routes, there were several different paths you could get to the end. Even regardless of which path you took, it's like a two or two and a half hour game, like from first level to end boss. So you can beat the whole game in not very long of a time. But it was so fun. And again, the graphics were a really cool element of it, but it was also just this cool you know, basic story of you are Fox McCloud of the Star Fox team, and you're flying these spaceships. We talked about R wings in in our favorite spaceships episode, right? Not the letter R, but they were A R W I N G S. R wings, the name of your spaceships, and you're going to defeat Andros, who is the big bad boss who has basically started a war with the Corneria system, and you have to go and like rid his forces from the system. And it just was, it just was fun. I mean, I like spaceships I, I obviously we're a star wars family i love i love spaceships and space battles and stuff and it just was a really cool game and some really interesting kind of end bosses that you would battle really interesting levels and it's also cool looking at it and seeing what it has spawned in future games star fox has been around for all of the subsequent systems there are so many star fox games they've expanded to obviously the different capabilities of the systems with the graphics and the types of maps you're flying in the types of uh ships you're in you're not always in just the main little spaceship in future games but these characters are all over the place that you, you can play as fox in smash brothers like it's it's just turned into like a big nintendo property but it's it's cool going back and playing the original game and i still do enjoy playing that one shannon you mentioned that you had tried playing it again and it was harder than you remembered wasn't yeah, it Yeah, <laughs> that one's hard <laughs> <laughs> I think I like the 64 one a little more. <laughs> it was more my speed. It's so good. And the 64 one is one of my, again, like a top 10 game of all time. I love the 64 one. But I if, if, if I'm talking about Super Nintendo games, I have to include Star Fox because I think it was groundbreaking. And again, I spent way too many hours playing this game. <laughs> you and, know? and for however simple the graphics are it really had a sense of speed like you felt like you were flying yeah in in this you know 3d rendered environment yeah um and and had a good variety in the levels too yeah it was really well made game and and great music really good music too so just i think all around a great game I also remember actually hearing voice a voice in that game that you start going and somebody says good luck that's right. It was yeah. super basic. It was not very many words, but there was like a couple of lines in the game. And I remember thinking, oh, that's cool. And I remember like when you're, when you're, your uh, wingman, your your team, they would pop up and they would say things. It was still text at the bottom that you would read and they had like a sound like dip, 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 or whatever their sound mm-hmm. was. They weren't <laughs> speaking words yet. But I remember thinking like, oh, how cool would it be if like these guys were speaking? And now it's like, every game like every npc in the world has a voice actor and has lines and stuff but you know back then it was like just a couple of lines of like good luck it was like oh that's cool well do you remember when you beat the game there was like a whole line of dialogue yeah yeah it was like a real treat like oh yeah it was so cool. It was what really a reward cool. for beating the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> spoken words. I wonder how much how much space on their limited amount of memory they had it took up to have that recorded dialogue. It was probably like the lowest bit rate <laughs> recording too. I got to go back and find that. That's pretty funny. So the rest of mine I can breeze through pretty quickly, unless somebody wanted to go in depth on another one. I don't have any other in depth ones. I just have a, a very long list of honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have one. It's it's not like super in depth though, but the last one because every all the other ones that I had on my list, I'm glad have been talked about. Okay. Um, <laughs> But the other one we have not talked about is not Donkey Kong Country, but Donkey Kong Country 2, which is very similar gameplay and everything. But I always felt like Donkey Kong was a little too slow. And in the sequel, uh, Donkey Kong is kidnapped 
And it is up to you as Diddy Kong and Dixie Kong to go save him. And it's all nautical themed. So instead of fighting King K. Rule, you're fighting Captain K. Rule and it's all pirate ships and stuff. And that was another one that it was, like I said, that one, Donkey Kong Country and Super Mario World that I just played with my friends nonstop, I feel like. I For the fact that it was really only those three games out of so many options of games, we did not get sick of them at all. <laughs> and I don't know. I just, I enjoyed the gameplay of that one. It was really hard. I definitely, I remember beating it, but I definitely never got 100% on it because, you know, you had to collect all the letters in every single level and get the big rare logo. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I <right. laughs> I did not do that on every level. So part of me does want to go back and try again, but... <laughs> Gotta play it to completion. <laughs> I did love in that game that it was at a time when you couldn't necessarily... It wasn't common, at least, to have a playthrough unless you actually bought a book, mm-hmm. a guide that had everything. And so, which which we did not have the book or like an internet wiki to, to go through. And so to get those extra rewards, if you will, you just had to try really, really random things. Yeah. A really common one being just jumping into a hole on purpose that would normally kill you. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah. So you would save up like a whole bunch of extra lives and you'd go, I can't remember if maybe it told you if there was something on the level that you hadn't gotten. I, I think so. Yeah. And, and yeah, you would just like, you would just kind of keep track and you would just play the level over and over like, oh, I haven't jumped in that hole yet. Or I haven't, I haven't like tried to get over that thing. <laughs> I remember one, there was, you know, you jump on those barrels and they would spin like, and you'd have to like time it right to shoot up to the whatever. Mm-hmm. There were a few of those where you had to just like time it to shoot down into the hole and that would take you to whatever right. the yeah. spot was. And Those barrels are cool. Yeah, they are cool. I like the barrels and the minecart levels. Oh, oh the minecart levels are the best levels. They're so good and so stressful at the yeah. same time. <laughs> well, and they were just fun dynamics. So, yeah. you know, like Shannon said, if you're in the water, you might be just swimming around or you might be riding a swordfish. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, there were these fun, fun dynamics or things you could do in the game. Those were good games. Yeah. And I feel like we have to mention the look of the game. Yeah. The, this was... Um, sort of pseudo 3d like everything was 3d modeled in cg and rendered and then sprites were made from that right like so so but the appearance of the game is you know 3d like the early computer animation that was around yeah no i remember thinking it looked so cool like again i as as blown away as i was with mario world it donkey kong country would come out and i'd be like whoa wow this is crazy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I liked I liked the look of it and I didn't actually know until recently that Nintendo had actually invested in Rare and had brought Donkey Kong Country to life as as a direct competitor to some of the games that Sega Genesis had. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, it was this this pre-rendering and allowed them to do some really cool things. Those are good games. Cool. All right, Sean, rapid fire for us. What do you have? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I also love Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong Country 2. A couple just worth shooting out there is I did love the game Mega Man X, which is not something that is necessarily totally new. There were plenty of Mega Man games before it. But in my mind, this kind of perfected Mega Man for me because you could actually do things like climb up walls and slide, but you still were able to charge and and there was a little bit of even though it wasn't heavy on the story it was after the death of of your creator Dr. Light and he had hoped that you would be able to choose a path of peace and as this robot who can think for for himself but he provided a way in case you needed it to like save humanity from a robot uprising and in the end it's just just a super 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 fun game to play yeah, I really liked Mega Man X. I thought those ones were super good. The whole series. Yeah, the first one especially, though, I, I thought was really good. Yeah. this People keep hitting the games that I have on my honorable mention list. Yeah, so same, that's good. Same here. Yeah. Me- Mega Man <laughs> X good. was on my list. <laughs> Another honorable mention is Super Metroid. I, on my list, too. Yeah, so good. <laughs> Which I never played when originally on the Super Nintendo itself. I actually played it years later, probably a decade or a decade and a half after it had come out in the mid-90s. 
and it holds up really well. I don't know if we didn't play it because it's kind of a dark game at the time, but it's one that is actually just phenomenal and the exploration and how it builds on on the the Metroid story arc, if you will. And the last I want to talk about is Super Bomberman. Yes. Which is not <laughs> not new as well, but it was a game that we would go and check out from one of the video rental places. And the reason we would check it out or rent it instead of buying it is because we could also rent additional controllers. So the Super Nintendo had two controller plugs and you could, we would rent an adapter where you'd plug it into the second spot and it would give you three additional plugs and we would rent two additional controllers and you could play four players at the same time on the same screen. Yep. That was the first time outside of an arcade we'd have been able to do that. It was so So, cool. Anyway, super, super, super fun, especially, you know, a family of five now instead of having to take turns, it just was a really fun treat, you know, to to be able to have four of us in there at a time. And, you know, there's been other versions of Bomberman and they haven't really changed much, you know, no. like, they're, they're still <laughs> yeah. the same basic concept. I mean, we could go back and play Super Bomberman exactly the way we used to play it and it would still be just as much fun. Like that <laughs> basic formula is so great as a party game and it's yep. frantic and it like makes you go crazy and it's so much fun. I love that game. So that's it for my honorable mentions. What other what honorable mentions do you have, Nolan? Let's let's just go through them all real quick. And- <laughs> oh, most most of my honorable mentions have been mentioned. I had Mega Man X and Donkey Kong Country and Star Fox uh, and Bomberman. Mm-hmm. Um, one that hasn't been mentioned is uh, Do you guys remember Super Star Wars? Yes. Yeah. And you know so of that series, Super Return of the Jedi, I think was the best because it was it's funner to fly through the Death Star than on the surface. Yeah. <laughs> no, I remember I remember the Star Wars games for the 8-bit Nintendo. I don't know that we ever actually owned them, but I've played them since. They're not they're not great. No, they're not good they're not for great. the original Nintendo. <laughs> but the it's Super hard to tell what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's tr- it's it's a little funky. But the Super Nintendo Star Wars games, Star Wars Empire and Jedi, I thought all three of them were quite good. Yes. They were fun to play. Yes. Yeah, and they have their flaws, you know. Sure. Yeah. But um yeah, you know, like it went through the storyline of the movie. So there's different types of levels, you know. There's you might be Han or Chewie or Luke, you might be um, you know, flying something like mm-hmm. like I mentioned the Death Star or the speeder bikes or the there was a lame land speeder level in the first one, yeah. but you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but those were, those were fun games. Yeah, they were fun. And especially because like now there's so many Star Wars things you can play or whatever, but right. you know, back then it just, it just was a lot more limited. And so it was cool to like get to be Luke and swing a lightsaber, yeah. even if it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a brilliant game. It was, it was fun. It was a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, it was fun. I will note that those games were some of my favorite to use the Game Genie on. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> those games were so hard. The Game Genie. So if you imagine this like plastic cartridge that you would put into it, uh, the system, the Game Genie was this thing that you would insert into this system. And then you could you would insert the cartridge into that. And it allowed you to make certain modifications to the gameplay. Yeah, yeah. it's a hack. Yeah. And that, for me, made those games so much more enjoyable, having more lives or having the better weapons or unlimited force power so I could throw the lightsaber and have it hit everybody on the screen or something. (laughs) That's great. Um, One honorable mention I have that nobody's mentioned is F-Zero. Of course, me being a racing guy. uh, But F-Zero was one of the first games that came out for Super Nintendo. It was this very futuristic racing game. Do you know the insane backstory of this game? No, I guess I should have looked up more. I thought it's just that you race a car and that's it. Here's the plot. Yeah, like Captain Falcon has a story and like there's like a whole like... Yeah. Yeah. Read it. Are there different alien races or something? Yes. F-Zero is set in the year 2560 when humanity's multiple encounters with alien life forms had resulted in the expansion of Earth's social framework. This led to commercial, technological, and cultural interchanges between planets. The multi-billionaires who earned their wealth through intergalactic trade were mainly satisfied with their lifestyles, although most coveted more entertainment in their lives. Are we talking about Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos at this point? (laughs) (laughs) This resulted in a new entertainment based on the Formula One races to be founded with vehicles that could hover one foot above the track. 
These Grand Prix races soon named F-Zero after a rise in popularity of the races. That sentence was not a good sentence. The game introduced (laughs) the first set of F-Zero races, Captain Falcon, Dr. Stewart, Pico, and Samurai Goro. IGN claimed Captain Falcon was thrust into the limelight in this game since he was the star character. An eight-page comic was included in its SNES manual that carried the reader through one of Captain Falcon's bounty missions. I do remember that. Yeah. I had no clue. It's the sort of thing that it's all in like the marketing. It's all in the booklet. When you play the game. None of that. Nope. <laughs> no. no story not in not the game. even. Yeah. No. Not even a mention of the name. Nope. Right? None of it. it. It's you get. I think maybe you get the names of the drivers on like when you're doing the car select. I think that's it. That's funny. <laughs> no yeah, the, mention. The only reason I know Captain Falcon is because he was an early Smash Brothers character. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. was he was he one of the original eight? He was. He was. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> it was a hard game, but it was fun, and that's one that I've gone back again, even now. Once in a while, I'll pull it up and play, and that's a fun game, and and tricky, but fun. Yeah, and they did a great job of making it feel like you were going really, really fast yeah. in that yeah. racing game. Yeah, like uncontrollably on some levels, you're like ah. ah, ah. <laughs> Uh, and then the other uh, honorable mention I wanted to mention that nobody else has mentioned, I said mentioned like five times just now, <laughs> is I wanted to talk about the Super Scope because we talked about the, oh, okay. the Zapper yeah. gun for the 8-bit Nintendo, but yeah. for Super Nintendo, there was the Super Scope. And for anybody who's not familiar with it, it was like a bazooka, basically. Like literally, it <laughs> yeah, sat on, on your, your shoulder. shoulder. <laughs> yep, it sat on your shoulder. It had like a hand grip for your other hand, and there was a scope that you would look through, and it was like that hence the name super scope but it was uh-huh. this huge cool gun and we had a couple of games for it the one that came with it was super scope six it was a collection of like six different games they were like basic like shooter games it was like sort of semi puzzle stuff or like there was one where it was like almost like a whack-a-mole type of game but you're like shooting the different aliens you got to make sure you shoot the right ones and those were a lot of fun i really enjoyed those games and then yoshi safari was one that i thought was a blast and it's your your mario and your it's like a basic mario adventure but everything is from the perspective of you're riding on Yoshi and you're like going through these levels. He's just like running along and there's like all these bad guys flying around and you got to shoot them. And I I had a lot of fun playing those games. I like the Super Scope a lot. And of course, it lives on in Smash Brothers. That's right. That's it's right. an item you can get in the game. It's the pretty Super cool. Scope. I, I had Super Mario All-Stars on here. That's kind of a, a cheat because it was the original... Mario, Mario 2, Mario 3, plus the lost levels, but they have been like remastered, like updated graphics and stuff. But it was cool. It was cool to play those games with different graphics and stuff. But the you coolest could save. thing. That's right. You could <laughs> save the cooler graphics, but then the lost levels. That was the other big thing because we hadn't ever really played that before. And so then you you had the lost levels that were, I didn't get very far. They were too hard for me. They're so <laughs> They're really hard. hard. <laughs> Way too hard. Anyway. Yeah, I think that's all I that's all I had. There were lots of other games we played, but those are my honorable mentions. I'd love to hear from our listeners if if you're mad that we didn't talk about Secret of Mana or Chrono Trigger. <laughs> when I talk about SNES games, people usually bring those up to me and I'm like, you know, to be honest, I've just never gone and played them. It's true. Yeah. Every time I've looked up like the even for this, there were always the games that we played, but I just was curious. I was like, is there any I'm forgetting? And so I pulled up like top 100 Super Nintendo games of all time. And always every list I saw on the top 10 Secret of Mana and Chrono Trigger were like way up there. And I, I haven't played either of them. But I actually I'm, I'm as I was doing research for this, I was like, I should go back and play some of these games. And I'm thinking I should pull those up and start them like it's it's kind of weird to like yeah. start a game that's been out for 30 years that <laughs> you've never played. But I, I'll try it. I want to give it a shot. Earthbound. Has anybody played Earthbound? No, mm-hmm. I never played the original Earthbound. No, I haven't either. It's just another game I hear about. It's yeah. on the Nintendo online uh, bundle on the Switch. Oh, well, now I have no excuse. I really got to go play it. <laughs> I mean, I play as Ness a lot in Smash Brothers, but I've never played his game. Yeah. Yep. I've never actually played Earthbound myself. Well, not bad. I figured this was going to be a longer episode because, you know, <laughs> we, we, could, we could go on about these. These games are so fun and it's fun revisiting. It's fun remembering them and we have all these great memories of playing them and when we were kids and stuff. But these are fun games to revisit. Like I, I went back and played Super Mario World just like a year ago when every, when, Nope, two years ago. Jeez, this pandemic goes on and on forever. <laughs> uh, when things first shut down, like I went back and played that, and I play Mario Kart sometimes. So these are definitely games worth revisiting. And if you if you haven't played some of them, you should check them out. And if you have played them, you should go back and play them again because it's worth it. Mm-hmm. 
But that's probably a good spot to wrap it up. We want to hear what you think. Send us an email at thefavoriteshow at gmail.com. Look us up on Instagram at thefavoriteshowpodcast. Let us know your favorite Super Nintendo games. Like we said, Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana, we don't know about because we haven't played them. But there's there's so many great games. So let us know what we missed, uh, what your favorites are. Also, let us know if you have suggestions for future topics or guests or whatever. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And we'd love a five-star rating if you like what you hear. And if you don't want to give us a five-star rating, then uh, I think you just have to you just have to go out on a limb and do it like like the random falling down a hole in, in Donkey right. Kong just, Country. Just give it a try. See how it feels. Just do it. Yeah. It may, it may feel wrong. It may feel like, oh, I'm jumping down the hole, but just do it. <laughs> do it. It's worth it. <laughs> I, now we're now we're just resorting to peer pressure to get the five stars. <laughs> We've tried bribery with the rocks. We're just uh, we oh okay. I better quit while I'm ahead. Nope, I'll quit while I'm behind. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I guess we better wrap it up. Until next week, my name's Aaron. Sean here, and I'm Shannon. Oh, and thanks again, Nolan, for joining us. Always good to have you. Thanks. Thank you, Nolan. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Cue the music. Nolan, you were always doing songs and like there was Mr. Donut Man, wasn't that? Yeah, Mr. Mario Donut Paint? Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's because you had stamps. There were stamps that were like Mario sprites or whatever. So if you use the bottom half of Mario instead of his head, you make a big donut. That was Mr. Donut that Man. Was, that was him, yeah. <laughs>